Hello everyone, you're very welcome to week 7 of LOI Weekly. As ever, we're at LOI Weekly on Twitter and we're on SoundClouds and iTunes and don't be afraid to use hashtag Greatest League in the World uh, in some of your offerings on Twitter and it certainly has been hashtag Greatest League in the World this week uh, because we've had two managers let go by their clubs uh, in very dramatic circumstances. Dave Robertson was let go by Sligo just before we came into studio and two days ago, of course, Martin Russell and Limerick parted company as well. We're going to be joined by Martin Russell. That's going to be the first interview you're going to hear from Martin uh, since he left Limerick. And later on as well, we're going to be joined by Dundalk skipper Stephen O'Donnell. Uh, prior to that, we have Damien Lynch and Daniel McDonald as ever in studio. And Daniel, it's been a really dramatic couple of days. And I'm going to bring you back to earlier in the season. You said there's going to be pressure on clubs and has that kind of evinced itself in what's happened? I think it. I think it has to be the natural byproduct again. We <clears throat> we have the, you know, the mutual consent departure, which is like the modern football speak now. Um, but I think when the six week, you know, six games into a season, it's pretty clear that I don't know what manager really wants to leave a club at, at that stage, and it's it's clearly the pressure from the club that's that's forcing it. And I think it has to be the natural conclusion. Um, it, it is unusual. It's odd because. I think maybe at the, at the, before the first show, I think we might have spoken about the fact that Shane Keegan was the only new manager in the Premier Division this year. And we were extolling how It was almost like, oh, stability. You know, this wonderfully, wonderfully stable league. And then, um, yeah, as, as we mentioned, you know, the, I don't get a great sense of shock, maybe from, from, either? From, from, from people in Limerick who cover Limerick all the time and in Sligo the same. So, um, you know, Robertson had a sticky start last season survived it but maybe there was a sense that he hadn't necessarily won everyone over um we will speak to martin to hear his take on what happened at limerick but i i, I guess um, i'm not sure if i ever got the sense from outside that things were always wonderfully harmonious there so it's not a bombshell that that this has happened but it does make you wonder if a change is going to happen six games into a season if you have reservations about these people, why not do it at the start of the season? That that would be okay, my... Well, I just point. don't get why you don't give a manager uh, 10, 12, 15 games to this. So I'd actually blame the board or whoever's making the decision that they didn't make this at the start of the season. Like, if you're a business, you're building out your plan for the year. Fundamentally, if you sack your manager after six games, you've done your job wrong because what you've agreed with the manager as a plan can't be decided after six games. There should be at least a check-in after 12 to 15 games. Are we on track to do this? And that's probably the first time but after six games, it's just... Do clubs overreact as well, Damien, in the sense that they think there will be a sort of a, an upturn in fortunes, even though statistically it's kind of proven that change your manager doesn't really have any great effect. I mean, you, I guess you look at what happened at Leicester this season. Is there a sense of that in Sligo and Limerick? I saw Sligo against Go United Monday night. There was no sense to me whatsoever that they were not playing for the manager. I, I, I get buy into that towards the end of the season. Seven, ten games to go. Okay, let's change the manager. We might get a bump in, in spirits here. Six games in, if this doesn't go well for them, what are you going to do then? Sack the manager again? Like, it's just, it, it doesn't make sense to me whatsoever. And what's quite interesting is how quickly they'll get replacements in. Now, I'm, I'm going to criticize both clubs on, on sacking their manager here. If they end up bringing in a fantastic manager who has lots of experience, well and good. But if you're going to sack your manager, what's the plan? Like, I, they have a, is it the youth coach who's going to be looking after Limerick this week? Willie Dolan could Willie. be in. Yeah, the, the point is, though. Um, there's often a domino effect. I think in the English Championship this year, it's been unbelievable, the, the, the manager attrition rate. And what happens, you will find, is that you know, one manager goes, does another club react to the possibility of thinking, well, actually, we've got a replacement in mind for Robertson, say, if we choose to change. All of a sudden, Limerick are looking for a manager. Yeah. 
oh, do we need to move now quickly? And this becomes a, um, a, this almost competition between clubs that... I, I, I do agree with your fundamental point. I, I certainly I did get maybe negative vibes about Sligo and, and just the general sense of... Um, I think the manager was excused the poor start last year because he didn't necessarily know the league and you know he brought in players, maybe didn't know what was required for the league. The fact that they'd started again maybe in an uninspiring fashion had worried people this year. So uh, that one makes a bit more sense to me, I have to say. Yeah, um, the, the, Sligo, like the Sligo results and points, yes, granted, they've, and they've had a tough start. But Limerick, they were beaten by Cork last week. Who has, like, Cork are on fire, you know? If it's because of the Cork result, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like, and I, I do find a lot of people will, will create a conversation. Like, I know in the first week, Johnny questioned Limerick defensively, you know? Um, they're always going to concede goals, and does that catch on? And then... You know, people on social media, whatever. Be too bad on that. It's actually flipped. happened. Like they've that's flipped. the point. Yeah. They've scored so, twice so, in five games. So what's the, the perception here? Like perceptions sometimes can take off now, and someone gets into their mind. So I, I really don't understand the like. You have to have a strategic plan for your club for the year, and your your manager has to be either a part of that or or, or not. And if they're not a part of it, you get rid of them at the start of the season, and they're not there. I, I completely agree, and we should reiterate that uh, both of these were mutual consent and. If you're a player, Damien, how do you react to this six games in, seven it, games it's in? It's not mutual consent. And in both cases, I'd imagine there's some contractual agreement around money's You're saying it's not mutual consent? Uh, absolutely not. You know, there's no way. At a point, maybe Martin went in. Now, listen, he might say something differently that he sat in a room and uh, he'll discuss it with the, with the board or whatever. And they just had a, a reconcilable differences that they decided to not to, uh, to, to, to stick with it. But generally, this is driven by either the chairman or someone on the board um, and the manager, most certainly after six games, won't want to be uh, let go. Who's yeah. going to be next, Dan? Who's going to be next? And when? God, <laughs> well, that's you know, that's uh, I, yeah. I, I'm just, I'm surprised it's this early. I, as much as I thought that there was going to be attrition this year with the three going down, um, I do think you know if you're going to if you're going to make a change, I think around July is probably the the, the point where you would do it because at least then you're giving the manager a sort of a transfer period. You don't necessarily have the same transfer window culture here that we ha- that they would have in England. It's not as defined. But um, the fact that whoever comes in now is going to be working with the players that the other managers have recruited. Yeah, um, that's a different style. That's an yeah. oddity. I think in, in July, I think midway through, there's a certain logic in saying, okay, you know, this isn't working. Let's... Let's bring in, you know, someone who's got four or five players in mind they can bring in now. And, and looking at, like, last night, I was looking to see, okay, so who's in line for the job? You know, you look, you've got Ian Barraclough has been, been uh, talked about for, for Limerick. You've Paul Doolan, Pat Fenlon, Tommy Dunn, all these people around the club. But the question goes back there, are they going to change anything dramatically different from what Martin was going to do in Limerick? He seemed to have, now, having been down there last year for the League Cup final, they seem to have built a good uh, culture down there, uh, the right yeah. system, Great the right thing. So, like, Cork. there's a lot to be said for that, and I don't know if enough people are, are that goes into it from building a, a structure within the club and how important that is. Um, just, but just very briefly to both of you, is this a clear legacy already of the ten team league issue? I think it is. I think Sligo and a negative legacy because I think this this season is building up to be very exciting. I have to say, it's completely is the right type of excitement. I, uh, well. Uh, <laughs> The, the long-term implications, uh, you know, present questions. As it stands, I think there's only around three or four teams at the moment that are safe from, from yeah. the drop. I think we were talking about Pats and Bows. You know, they've got a couple of wins. I honestly, at this stage, couldn't call 
the teams that are going to go down. It's one of these ones that we played three rounds of games. I think if we played four, we'd probably have a different three going down. You know, if 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 if, if the season went well, on, Jamie, there, there isn't that, it, it is a product. Of course, it's a product yeah. of that. Twenty three percent of teams are going to go down. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's just ridiculous. And how many managers are going to sack? How many managers are going to be let go this season? Do you think by the end? We've already had two after six, seven weeks. Should we play a game and, and take a guess now and see? We'll be accused <laughs> of cruelty, I think, if we go uh, down that road. No, thing. absolutely. Uh, certainly, it's it hard to cruel, say. It is cruel, though. It's it, cruel it's what it's happened to two managers this week, you know, and it's it's hard for these guys to reassert themselves as coaches when they're let go so early in the season in the League of Ireland. How would they reinvent themselves? I, I don't know Dave Robertson that well, but I know Martin has a lot of credibility in the game and he people will look at building structures uh, in football clubs and how you're... Look, I think that's so important. You look at what Rovers are doing now and, and something I said... They've a, they've a management team out there that no one has actually built, has the history of building a football uh, club or a structure within a football club. And listen, they're doing a great job out there. That's not a criticism of them. But someone like Martin Russell is primed to go in and, and, and set up a football club and, and, and help build a structure. Did you see today that Rovers, like Rovers have announced Paddy Power as their new betting partners. And they put out this big tweet and the big announcement. And the first response under the tweet was, could you get us a price on Stephen Bradley being sacked, please? And straight away, ask Paddy Power responds, no problem. You can get onto our traders <laughs> and I'll give you a price. So, I mean, this is uh, like, this is... I have my head in my hands. This is, uh, this is something that it's... Uh, I, I fear that we're going to have a lot of discussions along Unfortunately, the, along it's the modern nature. game. And that's it, it. We're going to see an awful lot more of it this year. We're now joined by Martin Russell, who parted company with Limerick on Monday. Martin, uh, sad to have you on in such circumstances, but how are things for you the last couple of days? I think it's okay, you know, we, we, we had discussions with the club and, you know, we parted on good terms. Um, obviously, we, we had difference of opinion, and, um, but that happens, it's all part and part of the football business sometimes. And, um, you know, I, I leave Limerick on, on, on very good terms. I guess what, what is quite, um, I suppose, sad is the fact that, you know, you were allowed to bring Limerick back up. You absolutely dominated the league last season. And for it to be such a short-lived you know, return to the Premier Division for you must be quite tough to take. Yeah, as you said, we we, we you know we did very well in the in the first division last season. We assembled a good squad. Um, I think there's some very good players in the club, and um, I don't think we started they started the season off um, reasonably well. I think the game so we, we we lost points in we should have won, and with the game in hand, you know, um, I think Limerick have, have a good platform there to spring spring forward um, onwards and upwards. Martin, can I just ask you at the start of the season or, you know, maybe last winter when you were maybe sitting down and looking at budgets and so on, what sort of expectations were, were the club laying out to you? What, when you started the season, did you have mm. targets that you were trying to, to meet? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, we, 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 we managed to increase our budget from the, from the first division, which you'd need to, um, I think all in all, we're known the, the exact budgets of all the other clubs. I think we we had a fighting budget for you know for me to finish in the top half and then um, whether um, anything there is, is possible you know um, but I think you know I said before I think Limerick where where it's at um, you know it, it's probably ambitious and it should be ambitious enough to get into Europe whether that's in two years three years or whatever it's got the potential to do that um, as long as it, it keeps working hard towards it. Martin, I suppose looking at the table, you know, you, you've played six games, you've a game in hand on the other teams, you win mm. that, you go up to 10 points, you're, you're mm. fifth, mm. Um, probably joined fourth there. Yeah. It just seems crazy for me. Obviously, last year we covered the League Cup final and there was great mm. crowd down there, there was great momentum in the club. I just, I just find that you, you mentioned there that there was a difference of opinion. Mm. Um, like, 
what was the difference of opinion when we asking like in terms of why why you decided the park company? No, it was just just again, it was just a, we, we we had a couple of discussions on different things and um, probably didn't see. You know, we weren't singing out the same hymn sheet, and as I said, when that happens, um, you know, something has to give, and it it, it, it didn't seem viable at at this moment in time to to continue. So that's we, we agreed to part, and as I said, the um, Limerick will, will keep on doing their stuff, and, and you know, I'll be focusing on, on hopefully um, being involved in football again. Yeah, and I guess that's the the, the question on many people's lips: uh, How anxious are you to return to the game in some shape or form in the near future? Yeah, well, I've always had a background in the game in in, in different ways, and um, you know, so. Um, you know, it, it depends, really. I mean, I try and take stock, and you, you never know um, when, when when things, you know, opportunities come up. I mean, it, for me, it's happened in the past. I, certain times in my career, you know, I, I never expected to be, you know, at a particular close, but things come along, and, you know, you, you give your best, and you, you take it from there, and um, we'll see what happens in the future. But um, the one thing I said before about, you know, in the country, it's, we need more investment in the game. Um, it's obviously very difficult for players as well as managers, you know, um, in football, particularly in Ireland, to have that security, you know. Martin, I mean, just before, we just spoke before you came on air about Dave Robertson, the news about Dave Robertson leaving Sligo as well, and we were speaking about the, you know, the 25% of teams being relegated this year, and I, I know you've said mm. there that, you know, maybe the, the club was speaking about top half and so on, but mm. do you think that the, the fact that three teams going down generally is putting managers under extra pressure this season? Well, there is pressure. There's pressure from, you know, the Rob Zone area and also people wanting to get the big prizes, i.e. getting into Europe and stuff like that. And that, listen, you, you know, it, part and parcel of um, in, in getting results. And um, it's, it's, it's very difficult for, you know, all the managers in the league for one reason or another. Um, and I, I just think it's important. It's like when we went down last year, uh, you know, um, into the first division. I did believe then, to, and I said it to the chairman, you know, that Limerick had taken a step backwards. But you know, if it kept being strong and and and, and you know, trying to fulfil its potential, it was inevitable that you know, with everything that it had to offer, that it, it would be one of the stronger clubs in years to come. And I do believe that. Um, and, and a lot of clubs are similar. You know, there's a lot of clubs that have the capabilities that they stay strong. You know, um, have a have a decent plan of action, and um, you know, do, do things the right way. There's no reason why you know they can't reach their potential as well. I think you've carried yourself with uh, with real honour in in the in difficult circumstances, Martin. We can only wish you the best for the rest of the season and yeah. whenever you get back into football. Yeah, thanks for that, Stevie O'Donnell. Um, would this put you off a potential career in management? What's happened this week? Uh, no, you know the pitfall I suppose going in. Um, I think it was Alex Ferguson who read a quote said you uh, you don't go necessarily for the for the best club you go for you go for the best chairman or the best mm. who you get on the best with or who's a who's a good solid option so um you know it's not always necessarily the club or the infrastructure it's, it's maybe the, the man you you have faith in most if you have plenty of job offers so um you know I think our manager predicted at the start of the season actually he, he I think he might have said that there'll be there's a good chance there'll be three managers even gone before the first ten games are are out of the season because of entirely possible because of the three teams going down. You know, clubs are are going to panic straight away if they've not got on off to a great start. But as you said, in Limerick's case, they were actually doing all right. So um, you know, obviously the the owner or the chairman um expects Limerick to be to be up there challenging. You know, yeah, he, but he he spoke about top six and stuff. I mean, 
well, how so can you sack somebody after losing three 0 at home to what's an incredibly good team at the moment? But I don't know if the problem here is there's twenty five. Uh, there's three teams going to go down. Twenty five percent of the teams are going to go down out of the league. But then is there an expectation, having what Dundalk did last year, that they're kind of looking up? I'm worried about at the bottom, so it's kind of pressure on both sides. So there's unrealistic um, expectation as Limerick are looking at their catchment area. They're a one one um, club in the in the town or the city, should I say? Um, they're saying, why can't we do what Dundalk done? And then on the other side of it, they're worried about the, the relegation. So there's pressure from both sides here. Yeah, that, I that's think, unrealistic. I think to be fair to Martin, he did allude to that the budget has gone up this year, and that it's not necessarily strictly about the relegation thing at all. It's more about and it tallies with what. You know what's been said this week that I think they are expecting Limerick to finish top four or five this year, and maybe they felt that wasn't going to happen. And it is true. I mean, you've seen Bray have invested heavily in their squad, and uh, we've even seen like the takeover, you know, at Waterford in a different way. That um, people are seeing that the, maybe, maybe, just maybe, there is, uh, you know, Europe is where the money is at. The the new winning the league now is to be in the top four, really. You know, to, to you get that European prize money, you're you're into a different bracket. And clearly Limerick are now thinking, this is the year they, they want to break into that zone. And but then why, why, why wait six games? Like, why, why didn't they get rid of him at the start? Well, How can you judge it on six games to say, right, we're making a, a base judgment here that for the rest of the season, you're not good enough. Um, but... Things, like, not long ago, they were at Dundalk, played extremely well, Stevie, and yeah, could, have, could have definitely gotten something up there. And yeah, Stevie, we were You, you know as end. well, like, how long does it take for a team to bat in? A new man, like, if something new, new players, new league, it's going to take you a season to settle in. You're not going to hit the ground running from day one. Um, like, like that's, what, that's what happens in football clubs. It's not, you throw the money in, it happens overnight. Yeah, definitely. Unless we don't know the, the full ins and outs, unless there is underlying issues, unless... The chairman or something was seeing the same kind of failings in the first few games as he saw maybe in the first season they went down or, you know, things that hadn't been addressed. We don't know the full full ins and outs of it, but from the outside looking in, definitely it look it looks a bit it looks a bit like not even a knee jerk reaction because they're not in trouble, it just looks like a strange decision, you know. What did the three of you make of Dave Robertson's uh, departure from Sligo, which was probably to my mind Less unexpected before you know the week began. I yeah, suppose. no, we touched on it a bit earlier. To me, that one isn't as much of a isn't as much of a shock. Just from, um, yeah, again, just sentence from people who were around the club. They didn't didn't seem to be a, a sense that everything was was great there. Um, and uh, I mean, maybe are we are we showing less sympathy because he's not someone we know as well as, as sure. Martin Russell? There's always a danger of that, you know. But I, I d- doesn't didn't necessarily shock me at all. No, say. I'm not amazed. I'm not amazed by that. I think. We played down the showgrounds early in the season. I think our first away game, probably the second game of the season, maybe. And uh, I don't think the atmosphere was was brilliant even around the crowd or that. You know, so early into a season, I think there was obviously uh, a follow on from last season, and I think there was a few boos at half time and after the match boos. And so when that happened so early in the season, and the fans sort of have turned, you know, on the team on so the management. Early. Yeah, so early, you know, it's going to take a big upturn in fortunes for. For that manager to see it out, I think Sligo's conceded seventeen goals, and they, like some of the they were very were, poor defence, were, were very seen. heavy. You know, sure. it was like, and it looked like in games where you know people just threw in the towel, or they just didn't look like they were a good outfit. Um, so the Sligo one doesn't surprise me, but I'd still go back to would you give the manager at least twelve games? And and I fundamentally the board or whoever it is have got this wrong because the decision should be made at the start of the season. 
We've got to move on. Uh, we, we probably had a lot of great ideas for the show, and then two clubs decided to get rid of their manager. But Stevie, it's great to have you on the show. You're, you're you, an avid listener, I believe. Yeah, like... Didn't know that at all, but are you? All things football, yeah. I do I listen to listen to the boys. I know that you talk a lot of sense, Johnny, so... I always want to hear your nuggets. I wait to hear that one. You, 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 you get nuggets from Johnny, not just, you know, you get them personally as well. I mean, yeah. you, you've received some choice text messages from Johnny. At certain, is there any, any particular highlights that spring to mind? Yeah, Johnny, he, he, he wouldn't be shy in voicing the opinion if he saw me play or that. So I think we were playing Alkmaar away, was it, Johnny? That's right. You were, probably, you were right. Two yellow cards, second, second yellow. Uh, the most stupid thing you're ever going to see, you know, silly tackle, so... Obviously, we got a great point, but I'm on the bus on the way back. I think we had to travel from, from Holland to Belgium to fly out, so that wasn't ideal. I was in bad enough form as it was. Phone pings, was it? Phone pings, look at the message, Johnny Ward. I was in the bar so, with you at the time, though. <laughs> something along the lines of, you're some donut. <laughs> I can't repeat you'd, you'd it. You want to learn how to tackle, I think it was. Yeah, something yeah. I know, it wasn't that. It was, so. I know my limitations. Johnny pulls no punches, so not what I needed, you know, down the back of the bus on a three or four hour trip to Belgium to fly out after getting sent off. <laughs> how many days was it before you responded? Uh, no, he's great. Yeah, I, t- I text you back. Um, I was grand. Yeah. I held my composure, didn't I? Yeah. It's, it's one of the things I love about the league, the fact that you can uh, relate to people. Uh, Damien Lynch, Stephen O'Donnell, what sort of you know, influence has he had in the league uh, the last few years? Stevie's been brilliant. You know, when you look at that Dundalk side, how he's come in and he's the leader in there and he's driven them on, you know, it, it's been great. And I think there was a spell in the league where a lot of the older players with experience went out of it. I think there was a bit of a, a point there where and we're starting to see the other side of it now, more experienced players like Greg Bulger and stuff in the leagues. And the likes of Steve, you stuck around them. He's been in the league a long time. So like, the, there's not enough lads around with Steve's experience in the league. And, and as been, he's been phenomenal in the last couple of years at, Dun, at Dundalk. I think it's 10 years now, is it, since you came back? Yeah, I think Bose was 07. Yeah, around 2021 came back. Yeah, 21 yeah. now. And, and how do you reflect on that decade? I mean, you've had ups and downs, I suppose. Well, I've, I've brought in Neil Horgan's book here yeah. on your year at Cork City, which was pretty... Uh, li- I know, lively. I, I, I reflect on the league in the sense. Uh, for me personally, it's fairly black and white. There's, there's before Dundalk and then there's after Dundalk. But my regard, my attitude personally, um, my professionalism. How it's probably the first time in my whole career that I've kind of lived football, if if you know what I mean. Dedicated my whole my whole life towards playing to the best of my ability on a Friday night. That's since coming to Dundalk. And I think that's the main reason Dundalk has been so successful. We had a whole group of players like that before the majority of the sort of the mind the mentality of most of the players in the league it's that's players with kids or whatever it's 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 a pay packet you know it's a source of income but it, it wasn't I don't think the be all and end all if you won on a Friday that's great but I don't think it was going to affect your plans for the weekend you know that kind of way that well that's that's the kind of mentality I, I sort of got regarding the league whereas now um, you know, in Dundalk, basically, we lose on a Friday. The whole week is is consumed by, you know, the hurt of losing and that. And I think now all the teams in the league are kind of, it's gone up to totally different levels, professionalism, attitude, the way they look after themselves. You look at Cork now, we're obviously on a mindset to try and, try and catch Dundalk over the last couple of years. And you can see their physical change even in the last couple of years, you know. How strong and athletic they've become. The same players, not as if they brought in different players from from England or that. Same players have just you can see that they're really dedicating themselves to it, and you can do that across the board, Derry, everywhere else. You know, 
it's uh, it's really going up massive levels. And me personally, I know if I was in the shape I was in, say, prior to Dundalk, playing in the league now, you'd have no chance. Yeah. That's something that, that uh, sorry, Dan, that's something that fascinated me as well. Where did this move to strength and conditioning come from? Was it based on the GA players were doing it? Uh, because if you look at Dundalk, even Demo last season when they were playing in Europe, they were actually in better shape than the likes of, I thought they were in better shape than the likes of Alkmaar and Maccabi and so forth. They, they just looked stronger. And you had that goal, obviously, in the aforementioned Alkmaar game where a six foot seven you know, strike was muscled out by Kilduff. Where did that actually come from, though? You seem to be the first team off the top of my head. Yeah, I think um, we put a massive emphasis on it, you know, even the first season, like a whole... Was that, Steve, Steve, was that like Stephen Kenny's first season? Yeah, Stephen Kenny's first season. So basically all of our first seasons at Dundalk, um, we put a big emphasis on it. And then it just sort of grew. I remember uh, even probably Richie Towell at the time, you know, if you saw the change, if you've seen Richie Towell playing for Ireland underage and probably his latter days at Celtic and on loan to Hibs, the difference in his body shape... And he probably drove it on a little bit at the start as well because he got himself into, like, he basically was a machine, you know. And I think other lads saw that and looked at that and kind of said, you know, I don't want to be showing up here, be it in, albeit in the tests or whatever. So that drove other lads on. And then you just had a whole wave of all of us pretty much eating the gym and, uh, you know, trying to dedicate our lives to football. And then it just, there was a snowball effect. Any new lads that came in, that was the way it's done. And they just, you either sink or swim, you either come in and do it, or you don't do it, but you don't, it's so obvious then in training and in matches that these people are nowhere near it, so they'll be quickly yeah. sort of found out. Can I just, sorry, I was just, I mean, how close did you come to drifting away from football? I think you've touched on this before, that, I mean, you had like the bit of the chaos in Cork for the year, and then year in Galway maybe, which wasn't... Oh yeah, I'd uh, given up really, I had, I'd thrown, really? yeah, that's what through my, 27, 20, yeah, 27. I was let go by Rovers and uh, I was going so bad at Rovers. I was injured all the time and that obviously Brian Laws was manager. So I kind of said, um, you know, he came in as manager. So I said, I got injured. So I was out for the rest of the season. It was like two, six weeks ago the season. I said, just look, give us my wages or whatever. And I won't, yeah. you know, so it got to that point. And then I had sort of basically thrown the towel in and... Um, I had one offer from Merview when they were in the first division. Is that Johnny Glynn? Johnny Glynn. That was €100 Euro and €50. Euro. You turned it down. Yeah, €50 Euro <laughs> petrol voucher. I'll never forget it. So, And I was attending sort of FOSS classes, you know, of um, what next to doing in your career. So I just, I only had my junior cert, went to Arsenal after my junior cert, so I was a no. So I remember sitting in the car after one of the FOSS, you know, you have to sign forms in or whatever. I remember sitting in the car and just saying, Right, this is it. My plan was to go back, play a little bit of Gaelic, uh, St. James's. James's. Yeah, go with City team and uh, basically play from our view, but I was looking at sort of easy street, played a bit from our view and play Gaelic when I could. So then I just had a talk to myself one day in the car. I remember it well and just said, look, do you want to be remembered as an injury-prone kind of journeyman, average player? Because I thought I was a bit better than that or else are you going to give it one proper go you know, dedicate yourself to it and see what see where that takes you. So, well, funny enough, a couple of days later, I had a missed call from uh, Stephen Kenny. He'd left a message. There was two jobs available, Limerick and Dundalk. Dundalk were after having a howler of a season yeah. before that. So I rang him back saying, please let you get the Limerick job. Please <laughs> let you get the Limerick job. Because it was closer to home as well. So the manager rang and he said, I am going to be appointed Dundalk manager tomorrow. So I went... 
disaster. He says, would you be interested <laughs> What a disaster it turned out to be. <laughs> would you be interested in signing? So I met Stephen. I had it now firmly in my head, right, this is last chance saloon. Um, signed for Dundalk. Funnily enough, I came up and I, I sort of came in to people with the exact same mindset. Like you had Richie Towell who was playing for Bluebell. No one wanted him. Like we all ended up at Dundalk because no one wanted us. Was yeah. that a key point yeah, in your heart? Everyone harmony. knew that, like because the Dublin lads wouldn't be travelling an hour from at that time from Dublin to Dundalk if they could go to a Dublin team. So it was obvious. Andy Boyle was after well, he was after having an average time at Shelburne. Dane Matthews was at Bray for a few years. Now I'm not taking away probably Stephen Kenny would would be a very good. I was going to say Stephen. He has a special way yeah. of getting the right players, doesn't he? Yeah, you, and he I'm, gets that group. I'm probably doing him with a service because when he probably got to meet them lads. You know, he would have had a big. He's he's very like persuasive. Oh, yeah. I say, you know. So how do you mean? He would have sold people the dream, like because he. That what was, sets him like? What sets him apart? I mean, it's we only have like about another half an hour or whatever <laughs> it is. But you're signing for Stephen Kenny as much as Dundalk, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, because That's... he he's, he doesn't see any boundaries. I don't think you know. Um, and he'd tell you, you know, probably. Like I'm building a real competitive team, and then he knew all about. He knew Dane Massey was up at the front of the runs with Bray, one of the Bray's fittest players. He knew Andy, but he knows all the history of these lads, you know. So um, that's how he sold to me. He had them boys in the in the bag in the can, and uh, we turned up. And basically, from that time, you know, uh, till now, that's been the sort of mentality. And we were we, like, we were the Renford rejects. We were. We turned up 16, 17 of us. We didn't know each other. You know, first day of pre-season, who are you, you know, whatever, you know, introducing ourselves. And we actually came second that season, which was nearly as good achievement as winning the league the next season because we were just all thrown together. And as I said, from the scrappy, if we did have other options, we wouldn't we wouldn't have been at the so, so was it almost, like, how long did it take you to realise, God, I'm, I'm back to being a player here almost? You know, you sense you, you said you'd given up or whatever, you know, you'd, you'd almost in your head you were getting there. Was there a sense where all of a sudden you were you were thinking, yeah, I can, even in terms of your levels and, yeah, your, and knew, your own sort of fitness levels, performance levels, everything? I knew once I, I sort of dedicated myself to it and got a good pre-season under my belt. But P, at the end of pre-season, people were still saying, like, how's the season going to go? And we hadn't we hadn't a clue. Like, it was like, we didn't know was it was going to be relegation or not. We were, we were shaping up all right, but it's very hard to tell. But me personally, I just knew if I got myself physically in as best condition I could that... That I'd be, I'd be all right. I'd be good to go. You know that kind of way. And it was probably, um, I'd say it was after eight or nine games of that first season that we were sort of that I got into a bit of a groove and the team got into a groove. I remember we lost to Sligo. I remember the manager saying we lost to Sligo at home, three one in around our fourth game, and he was despondent. I think he's said it since that he was like, "How are we going to bridge this gap?" He was obviously saying to his management team. But then we just went on a unbelievable run kind of after the break and then you know as I said we came second but it was just a mentality I suppose and you know we got stronger as the season went on and that's no coincidence with obviously all the gym work we were doing and the dedication we were, we knew we could get we could get a big head start on other teams because we knew it wasn't happening in the in the league with other teams so you know that can break that can bridge a massive gap I suppose when you look at Stephen, when I was I was in European games with Stephen, he just had this relentless belief that they were going to. Leave. I remember we were playing Rosenberg away in the Champions League, and we ended up losing four 0 Relentless belief. He, he's just he just believes that he's going. We were going to qualify. You know, even we were one 0 down going away to Rosenberg to play, and in the dressing beforehand, he was adamant we were going to win the game. Now, in all honesty, looking around the dressing room, there was probably half the lads didn't have that belief. 
in that group of, of Bohemians players at the time. And I think that's the difference when I look at the Dundalk lads, because people are saying everything is there, but Rovers got into the European competition as well under Michael O'Neill. So they, he was there. And he was yeah. there, absolutely. So there, there was, they, it had, the barrier had been broken. So someone had made it to the group stages. But I just think the way Stephen has a unique ability to get a group of players together that, that like the following season, we then went on to win the league with Bowes and um, he, he got the group together and we managed to do that. And with that, I, I firmly believe with the, the group of players he had at Bowes, we were we, we were much better than we we sh- than we sh- we actually showed in terms of it, and we were probably lacking that little bit more drive in the dressing room, and that was the problem. But I just see the way Stephen has pulled together the Dundalk lads, and it's just the 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 way he's managed to get everyone to row in together, and what that can do, it's phenomenal. And, and a lot of it, I know he has brought in the likes of yourself, absolute top quality players, Dan Massey, but nobody wanted him, and he was the unique. He was the glue that brought it all together and, and to get that, that, that going. So what, what he's done is phenomenal. And um, I really think when we look back at this in, a few, in, in years to come, he'll be one of the best Irish managers of, of all time. Yeah, we, we don't want to go over sort of the dinner we had last month, which isn't much good to us now. But last year, uh, do you have any idea, CV, what you did for Irish football? Admittedly, you didn't qualify out of the group or whatever, but... Dane Massey's header goes in against Zenit and Tala. You're possibly top of the group after sports. It's an incredibly good group as well. I think first seed in pot one and second seed in pot two or the other way around. What did you do for Irish football? I know you spoke about going to Lansdowne Road for the Legia game and just this feeling of this we're actually playing proper football here. Yeah, it's very it's hard when you're in the in the in the kind of bubble to realise what's going on kind of outside it. But I definitely do know even from me going back to Galway that, you know. Before I would have went back, you know, even previous years to to last year, you know, and people that you bump into they wouldn't have a clue how you got on on Friday or whatever. But everyone now or everyone did last year knew what Dundalk were up to, and you know, everyone would be stopping you and saying, "Isn't it brilliant?" And you know, I was watching the game or such and such. So the interest levels, even for me, just going back to Galway, just with people not even interested in the League of Ireland, that shot shot up. I think we got respect for the League of Ireland with people saw the way we played even and that and they enjoyed watching us. So um, you know, it went to such a stage we saw last week when Andy Boyle and Daryl Horgan came on against Iceland, the the special ovation they got off the off the Irish fans, you know. So that just goes to show um you know, we did put the League of Ireland kinda of on a map and as Damien was saying, like we went into the games last year not I wouldn't say expecting to win, but there was no sort of moral victories, you know, if we lose 2-1 here, you know, it'd be a good result. We were going in there whole hog, you know, to get, to get results and we were, we, we, we were very disappointed with the way with the way the campaign ended, especially against Alkmaar and Tel Aviv. You know, I think we had physically probably hit the wall at that stage, but, um, you know, before that we, we had done well and I think even before I was sent off against Alkmaar, I think we were going to go on to win that you game. That at that earlier. At <laughs> and, uh, you know, as you said, uh, Dane's header against Zenit to go 2-0 up at Tala would have been massive as well. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely there. The blocks are there for, for other teams and other players, I'm sure, around the league have seen seen that and they want to be part of it with our team. I, I do sense, though, from talking to Stephen after games now, and I think probably the sense from the players as well, they're probably sick of talking about last year in a way and even speaking to Stephen recently about Daryl and Andy getting called up and almost he's proud and all, but his tone is a bit regret. You know, we have to lose these players. We have to rebuild and go again. Like, like how difficult was it for you to stay? Because there was a, a period there where you wondered, was the team going to break up because how do you almost go again? And 
how possible is it to dream that that something like this can actually happen again? Because you've a lot of new signings, you're having injuries this year, which you haven't really had in recent years. How how much can Europe European success become a regular thing? Do you think from your experience in the league? Yeah, obviously it's very hard when you keep year on year you keep losing your best players, and especially for you lose them for free. So it's not as if yeah. you get you get a transfer fee and then you can reinvest into the squad again, get higher caliber players. So you're basically back to square one, and you keep. I suppose the managers keep under pressure to try and find sort of new gems, you know, which isn't always easy. But as I, I go, keep going back to the attitude, if if you buy into the attitude that we have and that, you know, to a certain extent, anything is possible. You know, you get, there's a lot of talented players in the league, so, and talented lads that maybe have fallen out of the love of the game, left teams in England or Scotland, that, and if you get them into sort of our group and get them into that mindset and get their body physically the best they can be, you know, there's there's no there's no stopping you when you get when you get sort of on the crest of a wave with a squad like that you know I say there's an element of shock as well as when they come in and they're like well this is not easy because these lads are in great shape and the game is played at a pretty hectic pace as well yeah definitely I think they're like you know it's we try and train well every day you know with a high tempo every day I'd say a few lads have got a shock with our training even you know um you train on the Astro so the week leading up to a game on the Astro, we train on the Astro and then we have a pitch down below if we're playing on grass, like we are, say, against Finharft on Friday, we try and train for the week on grass. But it's not always easy at this time of year with the pitches, you know, the, the grass pitch has not been great. But as I said, our training, our, we make sure our tempo is high in training and that. So it's it's sort of basically Friday is just a continuation of the week. You know, you're not, you're not sort of going through the motions and then Friday you sort of have to try and pick yourself up to a level to be competitive. We try and keep that level sort of and how long does it take the lads to get up to speed in terms of you look at the the lads coming in from Derry one lad, uh, last year McElhenney and this year um, we have uh, Duffy coming in um, yeah well I can the, the proof is there I think you can see with say Patrick and Robbie Robbie unfortunately tears hamstring against Cork but before that I think everyone could see the physical difference in him from last season to this same with Patrick everyone was saying you know he looks much leaner than that but they were still doing the same things Last year's they are this year, but obviously it takes takes longer. Yeah, it takes longer, you know, to be the not the finished article or to be where you want to be. So I think you can see with Patrick, his performances, you know, have gone up. He was very good last season, but they've gone up another couple of levels this season. Same with Daryl, probably the previous couple of years last season. Then he really kind of hit his peak, you know, went to went to another level. So it does take time, but in saying that, a lot of our our new lads kind of make Michael Duffy started very well, but. You know, when you get into that ethos or whatever, he's only going to improve as well. So, I got to ask you: we haven't seen much of you this season. Where are you fitness-wise, and when are you going to get back playing? Yeah, back sort of doing my first proper training session yesterday. So, oh great! Hopefully, um, back. I don't know about this week, but back to sort of full pelt next week anyway. And you did mention you were sitting in the car that time with the the for, the false forms or whatever. You signed a two-year deal now. But what is your future? Do you think are you are you now just right? Listen, just get the head down and focus on football for these couple of years. Or I think Johnny was asking about management earlier. Do you now have to start thinking about that long term? Yeah, definitely. You're going to end up a goal United, though. You, know, you have to come <laughs> home. Um, definitely, like I'd like to stay, like stay involved in football. You know, be it management or coaching. But it's kind of you know, there's it's a small window in the League of Ireland. You know, for kind of full time jobs or or full-time jobs just in, out of football in general in Ireland. But that would be my preferred choice. But yeah, you're right. You definitely do have to get the head on. So it's like five years in the dock now, is it? You must be sort of 
local territory at this stage. Yeah, the longest I've ever been at a club. Um, yeah, five years now. So if the next couple of years are as half as good as the previous uh, four seasons, we, we'll be happy enough. But you want to do better in Europe this year? Yeah, definitely. That's the goal. We want to first catch Cork in the league before we go into Europe. You know, um, as I said, like we were going into Europe last season, sort of, you know, full of beans, shall I say, with, with our good position in the league. We do want to be going into Europe because the league is our bread and butter and, you know, trailing behind Cork is straight away, you know, you're, even subconsciously you're not going in with as positive a mindset into them European games as you would be if you were top of the league and, you know, just everything gearing up for them European games. So, you know, Cork have set her blistered pace at the minute. So, um, you know, it's up to us to sort of hang on to their coattails and, um, you know, just keep tipping away our side and keep winning games. Do you feel like the group? I, I find that looking at it this year, I just think Stephen has managed to replace over the years that your top players who have left. But this year, the two lads leaving, do you feel like it's going to take time to get back up to the same level or do you feel like you are, you are very, very close to where you were last year? Uh, it's hard to tell you know we've started off the season if probably if he had offered us five wins from seven the first seven games we probably would have taken that with all the new bodies in all the injuries we've had so I think our squad is probably better this year than last year like our bench will definitely be better on any given Friday when everyone's fit than it was last season you know far more strength and depth I think the manager's going to have more selection headaches who to play who to leave out you know than he did than he did last year but Obviously, when you lose players of the caliber of the players we've lost, it's gonna it's gonna take time to for us to even readjust to to the way we play. You know, not it's not always you're bringing in a like for like. There's different kinks and different players. You know, so it's gonna that's all gonna dictate on how we play. And you know, with with having so many players out injured, we haven't been able to get a flow of maybe a regular in and around a regular eleven. There's always been two or three changes every week. So you know, it's great in one hand to get the players up to speed quick you know new lads coming in they're all gone straight into the lines then but on the other hand it's sort of not great for get, building momentum and, and building chemistry with the main group of players and are Cork even you know six points ahead a lot of people think they're almost is, is the whole thing going to be about Sean McGuire if he stays uh, we, Dan he was linked with a couple of clubs I believe this yeah, week well he's linked with clubs but I think this is I mean you know you, Stephen mentions about Daryl and Andy going for free. But the flip side of this is if if a club had come in for Daryl Horgan last summer, you know, potentially and paid whatever, 100, 200 grand, I mean, McGuire's what been good is that? What good is it? Winning the league is worth way more than that. We're in this dreadful cycle that the, the, it's probably economically better for Cork to keep Maguire. What do you do uh, there now, guys? Well, what, what, what's the answer? Obviously, no, it's, it's, you can't get a guy to sign a six-year contract. Guys, no. This is, I, I, this is the problem. We're in this cycle where... Any guy who's, I'm sure, you know, you've signed a two-year deal this year and, you know, when the guys get to this sort of later stage in their career, the two-year deal is fantastic. It's security. You know, someone like McElhenney or Sean Maguire, I know, although McElhenney signed a two-year when he came to the dock, but they, they know. What they do, know. What is the, does the club the, the advice to... that they're getting. They're, I mean, the, their agents are all telling them, listen, take the one because... How many League of Ireland players have agents? <sighs> Quite a few. And certainly there's, there's any sniff of a guy who's... 2021, 20, 22, coming towards that being free over 23. There's there's guys going around 
you know, snapping them up. And I think it's, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know how we get out of the cycle. I, we need a, a greater level of security. I'll talk to, I'll throw to the lads here. Because, I mean, Damon, you would have played in a time when there was three-year deals going around the place. And even when you went to Bowes at first, there would have been a few lads. Big the problem was those clubs weren't sustainable. And those three-year contracts became a, a burden. And, and that's, you, you would like to think the clubs could be in a position to offer that and not worry this could go all tits up almost if, if it goes, if you've one bad year. Yeah, I think the, getting the European thing right, like you look at last year, even the two lads going and playing in the championship over the way, they're never going to get the experience of going and playing in Zenith or them places. Like there's a lot to be said for that. So if you can actually get the, that as a regular thing, and I think this year for someone like Dundalk, last year was great, but knowing Stephen Kenny, knowing, knowing the lads, they're going to say, if we don't get there this year, like, What's the, what's the point? They, you can't it's going do to be it. very difficult for them, Damon. No, absolutely. And, and I think that last game where the lads were hope, probably hoping to get the seat, getting it's seeded. Point, and yeah. I think that's the thing. Get seeded and then try and get something sustainable. Football, for me, it's, it's one year, two year, three years. You can't do it for just one year and expect everything. So I think if, the, if League of Ireland clubs can get, get a, a, a run in European football and, and you can show that to players, get people to sign two, three year contracts. Because I actually think younger lads... They're better off staying and playing yeah. here and until they're 23, 24. Yeah. It's, the big, it's the bigger picture. Like It's not going to happen in the next couple of years, but down the line, if, if you get the product right, you get more people in the gates, you, there's more money around, then you, in 10 or 15 years' time, you don't want lads. Why? Like, League One teams, you know, Charlton looking at Sean Maguire and that. Like, if Cork rocked up tomorrow and played Charlton, like... It's a toss of a coin who wins. You do, know. do you reckon? Can you 100%. imagine what Sean McGuire is like in Cork this year? Like going around, going around the city, he'd be an absolute legend it, down there. Like if you can get something thing. in the town, like he's very happy as well. He's because yeah. he's, he's living in his home country. I, I've I've always thought this that it's nice to live at home and to be around your family and to be playing at what's now Stevie is is a, it's not like he's a, he's a big fish in a small pond like maybe he would have been ten years ago. He, he I think he made a, a comment there recently. He said only people who play in this league appreciate how good the standard is. But, like, at the end of the day, money talks. If he's going to be offered six, seven times what he's on at Cork over in England. Of course. Yeah, you know. I mean, I read it. That's, yeah. uh, that's the harsh reality of it. That's just the top yeah. bottom. How far yeah. can we I, go, Dan, though? Like, How far I, can we go yeah. in the League of Ireland? I mean, I Are we always going to be, you know, this sort of fourth division, like, feeder league, uh, you know, that belatedly gains some respect after about 30 but, years? Well, we, will, like. we will be if we keep going the way we are. We, we, we will become... Yeah. Well, like, even little small things, like, Dundalk Cork was on a Saturday afternoon, the afternoon a after Ireland-Wales. No one, I wouldn't say anyone even knew the game was on around the country. Obviously, they didn't Cork, you know. Little things like that. you got to make an effort to try and promote the league, try and make the teams bigger, make the personnel bigger, you know, for everyone to know every sports person in the Ireland to know the top league of Ireland players. Uh, I've been uh, rabbiting on about this county style. You know, if, you've, if you build it around the towns and the counties... Like you want to play for Cork as a kid, you know that absolutely. Who wants everyone wants to play for their top GAA team, like or the, the county team? Why can't we have that in League of Ireland? You know, if you're from Limerick, if you could build something in there, and I do think it comes back to the stadiums and making an event of it. And you look what Rovers have done; it's great. They've got a, a good home ground now and that sort of stuff. But there has to be fundamental change in the league in terms of if we keep ticking along with what we're doing now and expect us in five years' time to have. Fix this all, fixed it all, and, and that it's going to be a much better league with more sustainable players signing long term contracts. That's absolutely nonsense. It's never going to happen. Something fundamental has to change in the league in terms of whether you reduce the number of Dublin clubs and you make it into more of a county style football and invest in the infrastructure 
that is possibly the, 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 the word would be respect, you know, really, and it's respect from outside because I, I was even reading a piece with Ethan Boyle, Finn Harps, under twenty one international piece he had today, and I think it was in the Sun, and just saying, with all due respect, I want to get out of Ireland. And for players that are under twenty three, and and you know, Stephen, you've gone away as a kid to Arsenal, and you've been away there, like you know. Maybe you speak with a bit of experience when you're older and you've been through it, but every young kid wants to get away. That's where the money is. That's where, you know, that's where the, the, the dreams, the sustainability yeah, is. But that's where... Yeah, How does exactly. that change? But that's where the, the marketing is, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, Sky good. Sports, genius is at it. Like, try and build up any type of game. You go and watch the game. It's absolutely horrendous, the quality of football. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's all, it's all brainwashed stuff, shall we say. Yeah. Do you, know, you know what I'm trying to say? So... What I'm trying to say, as Damien says, even for the future of, of, of kids, young young men, say 15-year-olds going away to England or staying in Ireland, you know, like there's no comparison now looking back. What you do, stay in Ireland in a competitive environment, get your education, try and play first-team football. If you're good enough, you'll be playing first-team in Ireland at 18, 19. Biggest mistake I made was going away at 16. Yeah, yeah but yeah. yeah. you had an alternative, a proper alternative in those days, you know. I probably did. Like my brother was playing at UCD at the time, and he came through. And he he was two, two years ahead of me, three years ahead of me. He was playing men's football while I was playing in U uh, team football and reserve team football. And he got to know the game so much better than me in terms of the the, the years between the age of sixteen and twenty one. You learn so much, and if you're playing against men, you you you'll you'll learn the game a lot yes. better. And that's what this you need. Is, this sure. is my point. You need to have then. In place, them structures in place. But in fairness, Stevie, they've 100, under 15, under 70. Yeah, they're starting to do it now. It's starting, it's starting to happen now, which I agree with. But that's that's where you have to start, and then you might see you might see the rewards in 10, 15 years time. Because as Damien said, biggest regret I had as well was going away. Like me and Damien, if you took pictures of us 15 and pictures of us when we were 19, 20, when we were meant to be making the breakthrough to. We're totally, you're totally different specimens. Never mind mentality. Like sure. your actual, phys- the way you are developed physically, I could be a tall 15 year old and then not grow and then be a little stumpy 19, 20 when you're ready to peak. You know, you mightn't train on, as they say, in horse <laughs> yeah. racing. Yeah, I knew we'd that, get a horse the, racing. And that's the way I was. That's Johnny understands your point. I was yeah. tall and gaggly, say, 13, 14, when you're going signing for English teams. And going over what 50. height did you actually grow to then? So five nine, five ten. I never really. Sure. So you're totally different. Sure. You're totally different. But I think it's the apparent, and this is the only thing I would say. I think there needs to be some kind of minimum standard. I think to be in the Premier Division, I think you know the, this is the whole thing with the level of grounds and so on. We talked about great goals earlier on in the league. You know, Conan Burns goal, one of the best goals like I ever saw is Chris Forrester's goal in Drada. But like you know, you, you see that goal and there's a bloody housing estate behind the goal you know and if it's if it's scored in exactly. MLS because you look at what they're doing in, like in America and Australia different finances different world but it's amazing when you put games that maybe have very mixed quality in a great facility well packaged and, and my point would be and I know there's a lot of anger about the 10 team league and I, I completely get because how it's been brought in but I do think is there's some argument in starting small getting every game up to a certain level yeah. and then growing from there that would be the point. I agree with you. So essentially there should be probably four pillars you build the league around. And the youth development infrastructure is number one. The stadiums has to be number two. European football, number three. But it looks like all they're looking at is the youth development now and everything else will follow. And it just won't. 
it won't, you won't get interest. For, and the marketing is probably the last thing in terms of how you promote the game. So there's four pillars. The FEI are looking at one. And in fairness, they're screwing the schoolboy clubs yeah, but, by doing it. Yeah, but Damo, I mean, clearly the problem here is, I mean, it's been mentioned a million times. I mean, what they're getting for winning the league, let's be honest. How can you have any sort of sustainable model on the basis of the TV money, which is, you know, minimal? The money they're getting with the, the whole prize of winning the league is so small. And this is what, what, I, what, I, what Dundalk did last year was based entirely, in, to my mind, on from within. It wasn't from what, happenings, what happens without. It was Stephen Kenny putting a squad together that were paid a modest enough wage and were able to take on Zenit and Alkmaar. And yet they got, what did they get, six, seven million? Yeah. So, so now they're fine. But th there's no guarantee there'll be a League of Ireland club in the Europa League in the next 10 years. No, absolutely not. But no, I think the clubs have to take responsibility this as well. And the, that's why, like, within the Dublin region, why don't we try and build something that's sustainable and have that overarching football team, whether it's North Dublin, South Dublin, that everyone feeds into, that you can actually build something around. But you're, you're, I have a seven-year-old. I'd love to bring him down to a game. We go down to Pats. We'll go down to Bowes. You know what? He's looking around. There's nobody there. I'd love to bring my daughter down to it into the games and have a bit of fanfare, have a bit of infrastructure that we can actually enjoy, enjoy the game and then they can build up Do you up think the here. clubs have questions to answer themselves? 100% the clubs have questions to I, answer. I agree, I, I Dan. Really yeah, no, of course yeah. they do. There's no, yeah, it's not just at all the FBI need to sort it out. I think the clubs, you know, there's, there's clubs in a, in a period of time and in, in, the, in the time span of, of Damien and Stephen playing in the league where clubs have been in reasonable positions and they've squandered it. You know, they've squandered it in a reckless way. But I think to bring it back to where we were, my point was, I think we touched on this last week, that when, with, with Brian Kerr, that when Cork and, you know, Kevin Doyle and Shane Long did well, that all of a sudden Alan Bennett and clubs came in and paid fees for them. And, like, there's no shame about our better players going away. That's, of course, that's going to happen. That happens to every league in the world, bar a handful. It's the fact that clubs from outside look at the league and go, this isn't a product that we respect, so we're not going to pay. Yeah, they'll go to Scandinavia and yeah. they'll pay, you know, they'll pay a six-figure sum because there's a structure there in that club. And that's why I, there is a, I'm very supportive of the underage leagues because in theory, um, you could have a player involved with a club for a period of time that if he goes when he's 17, 18, there might actually be a proper fee coming to the club. Sure. In, in, the, idea, in the ideal world. How it's been brought in, I agree with you. Uh, you know, again, there's there's almost good ideas there, but the execution of them has been done in such a way that it's divisive. But the, the principle behind it is is actually quite solid. That we need clubs that aren't just 14, 15 senior players and a manager, and that's the club. But, but Dan, the you League know? of Ireland clubs don't have the infrastructure to run these football clubs. They don't. They don't to run they these don't. youth teams. They don't. St. Kevin's have done it for years, and they've been phenomenal at it. And it's a conveyor belt of... I brought my kid, mine from South Kevin's. Yeah, I, I turned up there, turned up there with my six-year-old last year. They were looking at him walking in the gate, kind of going, "Is he any good?" Like at six years of age, and they have this structure in place to do that. The League of Ireland clubs can't even afford to run their first teams properly. How can they run their under ninety, under twenty ones, under nineteens, and under fifteens properly? Leave it to the feeder clubs who'll do that right. I, and I, then, I, and I, I completely disagree. With but that, that culture you, you of the feeder clubs is 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 part of like a symptomatic of the dysfunction that we have in Irish football that you, you come up through the ranks with, with Kevins and Swan and then it's part of this you, you speak about the guy at 15, 16 if you're ready or you're not ready and we're not seeing guys going to elite clubs we're seeing playing the going, National League of Ireland we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing like you know lads going to Stevenage and lads going to various Plus places now. but if you're in Cork City so if you're in Cork they all want to go and play for Cork City yeah all the, all the so this is the Dublin point yeah. we're making so this here is the absolute, so the problem is, in, is one problem in Dublin but if Cork can get it right and Limerick can get it right in their junior leagues to come up, get your junior league right in your city and in your, in your county to feed into your county club, 
that's that's a solution here. I I I, I got to remember. Go ahead, clubs, schoolboy clubs as well, like these clubs and they will all have vested interests as well. They they want to get that young boy away to whoever's paying the most dosh to that uh, club. Which, which is fair know. enough. Absolutely. So which I don't like the, which the League of Ireland clubs are no are different. But that's the problem the with our man. football culture. Like that is the problem in our football culture. Like we talk about having to change this mindset of you need to get away at 16. And the problem is that the clubs, that you're right, they do the best work in producing players, but they, you know, they, they their business is about these players being gone at that point. So how do we align these two? So it comes down to the Football forces? Association. Reward the clubs. That, like the clubs are going to get their money for someone signing a, a 16, 15 year old going away. What did they get? 100 grand? I don't know what it is. No, no, no. The, the, the problem is, no, the problem is they will agree now to very little. You're seeing guys going to clubs in England for like 250 quid or a grand, but all these add-ons going on, which, which feeds into the lack of respect for football in Ireland. And that is why there's the fantastic work that the schoolboy clubs do. But when it comes to the point of these guys being sent away, just in terms of how we looked from afar, it's not great. You accept very little money. Clubs will come in and take the piss, basically. And they can do it because the parents don't want their kid to be stopped from going. So if the club says, no, no, we want a bit of money for him, well, then you're the bad guy blocking this kid from going away. I don't know how we get out of this cycle. And the underage league is, is something that's trying to address it, but it hasn't been done in the right way. And maybe just letting the Kevins and Belvo and so on into the underage leagues might solve it but you know someone who's gone through the structure and and Stevie maybe you jump in here as well I left at 16 and I went over there it was the wrong thing to do if I'd have stayed here and had a better structure to uh, play men's football at the age of 18, 19 I would have been a far better player I probably could have got a better education in the background so I would have been a bit more mature and then possibly I could have been a better player than I was at 21 years of age so then at that stage 21, 22 I go away I'm more mature and I'll have a much more sustainable career and a better senior career and I think that's the mentality we have to put on it. And I think the Football Association of Ireland have to look at it and stop looking at everything so short-term. It's next year. Like, what's our 10-year plan? How many like, players under the age of 20 from Ireland are playing in the Premier League? Uh, this season, I don't think we have None? Any, any appearances. But no. like the, cl- the, the players need to see, I guess they need to be aware of the fact that like, it's highly unlikely to happen and they have an yeah, alternative to stay here. It's that thing you always think you're going to be doing. <laughs> you're course. going to be the one. You know, you're never going to look at it as a 15 or 16-year-old, take yourself away from it all and say, like, the odds are stacked right against me, you know. It, at the minute, try telling a 15-year-old who all he's grown up on is, you know, Arsenal, Man U, has a chance to sign for them, Leeds, back in the t- has That's a chance right. for sign for them and say, no, like, it's better in your mo- your interest to stay, do your leaving search. Would the 15-year-old Stephen O'Donnell do anything Well, I, you know? my parents really wanted, like, they, pro- they wanted me to stay and do my leaving search, but... I at that time I said no. Oh, hundred percent. What Damien's saying is right. You're not ready to. You're not ready to play first team. You're being molly coddling youth academies. Is it difficult to live over there as a young guy to readjust to different kind of surroundings? Yeah, well, for me anyway, personally, I wasn't kind of mature enough to. There are some lads now, and it's the making of them going over, getting going into getting into a regime. That their their personal life, their home life mightn't be great, you know, wherever they're from in Ireland, and they go over and you know sort of get into a a regime training every day. It's the making of some people, but for the majority, definitely. Well, look at the stats. The players that go over from the League of Ireland after playing first team in the League of Ireland, how many hundreds of thousands that go over at 15 or 16? You know, if you're good enough and you have the dedication, you're going to be playing first team in the League of Ireland at 18, 19, 20. If you're good enough, you're going to be, you're going to go. 
you know, that's what you have to get into. Do, do, do you regret that you didn't establish yourself over there? What level do you think you were no, capable of playing at? I didn't have the mentality anyway. So I don't if, if, if you did have the mentality, if you went over, you were in proper... Maybe you, were, you oh, didn't grow hard, as... What hard. level could you... It's very hard to tell. Like It's very hard to tell. But the, the, okay, the level you're playing at now, you played against top teams in Europe last year. You acquitted yourself very well. Um, now, you obviously make the point that you're too old so to speak, to go to England. If, yeah. what, what level would you think you'd be able to play at in England now? I, I'm going to answer yeah. that for Stevie, right? Because I think if Stevie was playing in the League of Ireland between the age of 17 and 21, 22, he would have learned a game. He would have learned how to deal with fellas kicking lumps out of him. He would have got game smart much quicker. And he could have gone on and played 150, 200, 200 games in the Premiership. Oh, Premiership? Oh, absolutely, because you'd learn the game at such a young age and you learn to become a man. What or do you make of that, Or Steve? certainly <laughs> championship. I, like, listen, like, don't get me wrong. Yes, I do, I do think. <laughs> but I think... <laughs> and there's a lot <laughs> of players. He wouldn't be talking to us players anyway. There'd be an agent taking his call for him. He wouldn't be he sitting wouldn't here. He wouldn't get a text from me uh, <laughs> no, in Holland. For me personally, I don't think it would have mattered to me because I don't think I would have had the attitude at 17, if I, 16, 17 if I'd stayed in Ireland to really dedicate myself anyway. Because of but the league Stephen at the Kenny time? Or? Yeah. But if Stephen Kenny got a hold of you at 17, yeah. and he was at the right club, and they were, they, was, they were able to go in to play European football, yeah. you know. Yeah, I can't say for definite, but I'm just saying in general, as Damien's saying, you know, like, you got to make it the ambition, as Damien was saying, for these young lads to play for Cork, to play for Dundalk. Well, you have it in Dundalk now, they're... Every kid you see is going around the dog jerseys. No real. They sold like four thousand jerseys or something last year. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. we have a bit of a chance now. I think we have a bit of a chance because I don't think Dundalk or Cork, you know, Touchwood are going to, you know, go tits up in the next couple of years. But you know, what, you the, have that sustained the, period of stability. You, the, the plan, the, ne- the plan for the next five years, we have a chance, but the plan for the next five years is fundamentally flawed. Oh, no, I agree. The ten years, you know, the, the uh, yeah, well, ten years after the. Take over where we're still even you know, when you peel it back to a lighthearted thing. The Joe Soap, the man in the pub with his man New Jersey, and he shout, Man, you were playing Liverpool, and he's shouting, shouting over at his Liverpool mate, calling him a scouse twat or that. Two boys are from probably Carlo and Tipperary, yeah. In fairness, and I, I call him Mank, please, please. Yeah, you know, that, that is changing, though, Stevie. Last, you last year, we've it's over it, 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 It's definitely changed. But to when degree. you think about yeah, it, you, so you had it last year where more people in pubs were watching Dundalk than Man United in the Europa League. That is actually true in certain but cases. It's, but it's, that, yeah. that would have been inconceivable a long, long time ago. And Stevie, there was a massive sea change. I'm blue in the face telling people this. I don't get any negativity from people. That's because you, you're I older and you can no, choose who I you speak I, to. I don't get you know, people You're not in that. school anymore. Like, that's the I, big I, thing. It's reflective of your peer group. Anyone like, I, okay. I, I would agree with you because even in where I'm working now, a lot, of people, a lot of people are, are rugby fans. And last year, they got so interested in it, they actually went to a few games that they'd Eamon never... Eamon Dunphy they'd, was praising they'd, them. They'd, they'd at the behest of the Ireland. barometer of Anthony, Come on. No, but he was at least... Say, uh, the fellow who hated the League of Ireland for years says, why, don't, why don't Ireland yeah. play like Dundalk? That's, you know? a, that's just a populist. Don't We're going to wrap up, Shorty, but did you expect going into that you know, your European adventure that you could play football technically to the level that you actually did play? Now, obviously, you were subservient. Uh, we backed again. ourselves to, yeah, we did. Because when, when you break it down like, and look at our players, like we have players that are comfortable on the ball. And uh, we would be no use if we started lumping the ball because we're not really physically a big team and we're not going to be solid and, you know, hack and play at the touch. But just on, um, yeah, like, in that sense, definitely we backed ourselves. But what I was going to say was, say now we play in the... There's not going to be a bumper crowd in our first round of our European game, right? There'll be bumper Dundalk crowd, but in general. 
and we get beaten over two legs. Like what does last year matter? Yeah. That's yeah. it gone. There's no yeah. you know, that's yeah. it. Like yeah, yeah. that's the problem. That's that it, that's like it'll only take it'll only take on again if we go if one of the Irish teams go on some other magnificent yeah. run again this year. There's no you need there's two no solid. To do it. I take your point. Yeah. Like last year's interest was great, but it was it was a very novelty, uh, a very Irish thing. We yeah. we get you know we get into something just like going to the cricket in 2007 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It, it needs to be backed up I, to become. Uh, sort of habitual I, part uh, of the year, but and I also I, I also think the the players are committed to playing football a lot more than they were even ten years ago, and they pass yeah. the ball a lot more. Right, last question: Give us three players to look out for in the league, slightly from left field. Like you can't say McElhenney or you know. Good, I think there's a good winger at Harps. Um, McElhenney, Mac- Mac- yeah, he looks lively. I think Anyone he's from Green, Dundalk? Green and Martin. Dundalk have a few, but I'm not gonna. Very fair point. To be fair. Ah, come on! He has to go back to the dressing room. I know, room. I know, but that we, I don't. Duffy looks savage, doesn't no. he? Duffy yeah, good. Yeah. Vemeland very good footballer, very good. Sean Hoare's only back from training. Looks like a serious at least. Jamie McGrath. McGrath's an yeah. interesting yeah. one. Jamie McGrath, unbelievable ability, could turn in. Are you going to get your place back? Don't know. Stephen Kinsella. Yeah. Again, you know, like you're naming all of them. Yeah, you just name yeah. every single. <laughs> no, but article. honestly, we could be talking. We could be talking about any one of them this time next year. That's yeah. the truth. Yeah, it was great having you on. Uh, passionate enough, Dan. I have to say, I, I think yeah. that's the what, as you said, ten years experience of the league, and uh, I think whatever discussions that the league has going forward about the points that Damien makes there, it's vital that people who've been around the league for a long time are around the table. Uh, thanks a million, Stevie. Thank and you. will you come on the show again sometime? Yeah, maybe if you have me, no problem. Happy days. I always go with old podcast. <laughs> and we must get on to week eight which is all about Cork and Derry, really, Dan, uh, isn't it? And it's live in RT2. Uh, my Derry bet looks in trouble now. We've Patterson out for two months. Well, Patterson's out. and I mean, I was up in Bunkrana last week, and, and obviously it was a very um, you know, unusual Friday night game because it was Derry's first game since, since the, you know, the Ryan McBride tragedy. And um, the, the pre-match ceremony was very well handled. His family were there. Um, they made a big effort, and there was, you know, sort of a nice occasion, but very somber occasion as well. And like, you know, it, it sort of seems to, to sort of go from there to very basic football analysis. But um, when someone like that is gone, but I mean, as a footballer, they're going to miss him so badly as well. And, it was just so and they went three at the back, didn't they? It, it, well. Three at the back for the first time. And um, it looks like they had a bit of a soft centre there that they actually played very well. I have to say in the circumstances, they played very well. They lost Patterson to injury. They lost Jared Doherty to injury. Um, and as Kenny Shields said afterwards, including Ryan, that's our three senior players, and yet they still count from two goals down. Um, Bray are still a bit, you know, flaky. Um, you know, they're very entertaining, um, but they they have they have flaws. Um, but you just worry about Derry that they're they're going south to Cork, who are on form, missing big characters and. It's going to be a big ask for them to get a to get a result down there. Yeah, I think Cork are just hitting a bit of form as well. I think they've won all their games, but they haven't necessarily played very well. But looking at the highlights, Dooley looks like he's on fire at the moment. We talk about Maguire, but Dooley looks good. You beat he is looking good. So just, Cork just look like they're getting it right now. And Morrissey and as well came, came in with a cracking goal to uh, I think it was the third goal in Limerick. That's uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's very strong, Dan. Don't they? Very very good at the moment. Yeah. Um, and like. The first four, four games, they probably didn't play great, but it just looks like now they're getting that bit of momentum. They're playing well. And I, I, like last year, if I looked at them, they were just lacking that little bit of creativity. They've really added that this yeah, year. And, so and, they, they and it's good, good for the league. They, they've, they've, they've raised the bar. 
and it's up. They're, they're, they're saying to them, Doc, okay, listen, we've, we've improved. They've, they've raised you know, the Yeah, bar. so, so, you, so you come with us now. And I, I don't think we pressed Steve even hard enough on uh, passing them out. You know? Well, it's, you know, people will say it's still very early days. Yeah. I think the, the way the fixtures were structured, the Doc had a difficult start, Cork on paper, maybe a slightly easier one. But they're coming into a run now with Derry. I think they have to go to Bowes, go to Pats. Um, in, in recent years, you would have seen maybe Cork come to big games in Dublin and be accused of maybe lacking ambition, whereas now they'll they, look like, they the look like they're capable of going and, and, and I think they've come teams. to the same level as Dundalk last year. I think Dundalk have dropped down. I don't think they've surpassed the well, level. Yeah, I, I, I guess we'll see. They may not need to play to their best. To no, they've raised their own bar. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Dundalk yeah. may not need to play at their best to beat Finn Harps, but that also is far from guaranteed the way Harps have started demo. It's a tough one for, for Finn Harps. I can see Dundalk. Even last week against Strada, they looked very good. I think Duffy looks really strong now. He's really settling in. And Stephen Kenny's teams are always built around wingers. And he looks like he's really kicking on now. Um, so I, I, I think that's a Dundalk win for me. For this, sure. is, this is no formality, Dan. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, Dundalk what will the pitch be like? Dund- uh, the pitch is, I think. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I love when you just come up with these rapid-fire questions <laughs> <laughs> about the pitch and Donegal. I just it's, do not know it's been, the answer it's to been, that question. It's been soft to heavy anyway it's just, for all it's the match so just, far. It's just like this sort of machine gun effort. I just don't have it. Okay, so you, you, you do you have Anton to offer on uh, this? Uh, what I would say is Harps are conceding a lot of goals. The Dogs scored seven goals there last year to win. And in fact, Harps, a bit like Bray, have become quite entertaining and been involved in some high-scoring games. That's not good for them <laughs> against Dundalk. I think Dundalk wins. Makes for an entertaining uh, league, as does... Pats and Limerick is going to be an interesting one. Damo, will you be in Inchicore? Yeah, I'll head to Inchicore this weekend to watch that. I think it'll be interesting to see how Limerick reacts. Uh, Willie Boland's going to come in and take over. Defensively, they've, they've actually been okay this year when you look at the... Everyone was worried about them conceding. But looking at the goals they conceded against Cardiff were really poor. You Couldn't know. defend against they, Conan Burns' goal last week regardless of what the opposition was. What unbe- a worldly... Unbelievable finish, wasn't it? Like we spoke about it earlier on, but that just the sheer quality technique about it. And I think his celebration, I think he was nearly at the end of the pitch by the time the ball hit the net as well. Pretty exciting. I think 100 goals from midfield is... It's an unbelievable is, is, is pretty impressive achievement likeable guy Dan as well yeah very much so and I mean, look, I, I think we've got plans to get him in at some stage cause sorry Conan it just you know <laughs> two clubs got in the way yeah but I think he's um, you know he's, he's lived an interesting life he's been involved is Conan in... still waiting on the phone actually no he's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty cruel um, I think he's a pretty busy man between teaching and uh, he's done his charity work and so on he's, uh, he's lived an interesting life but I think you know Pats have needed that because honestly two weeks ago we saw them up in Oriel I didn't think within a short time frame that Pat's team would beat anyone 4-0. Yeah. I, you know, as, as they did. You but, know? but Liam's side tend to, to build up. They seem to, like, the way he structures it, if he can get it right and get a pass and get it moving, which he said, listen to a quote last week, he says, we're getting there, but we're not quite yeah, right Yeah, because I liked after the Rovers game, he said, uh, you know, this is a very good bunch of players. He wasn't putting them down at all. And they, you know, Rovers who were quite poor then, you know, staggered, I suppose, uh, to a 3-2 win over Finn Harps. Amazing goals in the game, actually, Damo. Yeah, Finn and McAllister, two great goals, weren't they? From outside and the, the, and, and the, 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 the last goal as well was... Simon Madden. Madden. Yeah, Simon Madden was so... T- the technique he yeah, showed... It was that beautiful. As a full-back in that position, I would have probably you wouldn't have done smashed it. it. Uh, yeah. probably you not score many t- goals in your career? Loads, yeah. An awful yeah. lot. Yeah. yeah. Dan, don't answer that one. <laughs> <laughs> not too many, Johnny. Not How too are you many. calling us? Uh, Got to be Rovers there, is it? I'm gonna go for a draw. I think okay. I think yeah, Pete Mann will will get uh, defensively get them. Quick one down on you. Be a draw. Um, yeah, I think draw might be able to stop the rot. But I do. Damon's been harsh. I remember him scoring the odd penalty. 
Bray versus Galway United. Dare I say it's uh, Shane Keegan? Little kind of inkling that you know so he's a nervous he man. Like phone rings. I think that's crazy, but he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. It's it's way it's too a big early. game for us. So you know we've two we've three points from six. Uh, you know Bray scored Bray. a lot of goals. Bray there was seventy nine goals in total in all of Bray's games last season. This year they're already I think at thirty after seven wow. games. It's absolutely crazy stuff. Um, and I saw them last week, and they're very good for periods of the game, and then. In fairness, Peter Cherry made some amazing saves. Connor Kenna made some very good interceptions. I, I honestly, I, I, it's very hard. I think Galway have a chance of getting a result against Bray this week. I think a positive result because I just, I just think Bray, they, they, they always look like they're going to concede. And Sligo versus Bowes again incorporates uh, much of what we were saying earlier, Damo. Uh, yeah. Bowes' results are erratic, aren't they? There's just so many erratic results around the, the, the league at the moment. Then you, you look at what's going to happen with Sligo. Who's going to go in there? And what sort of reaction they're going to have? I think knowing Keith Long and, and Trevor Crawley, he'll have, they'll get a reaction from the Bowes players. So I think that's going to be a tough one for Sligo and I could see Bowes getting one. I don't know. Sometimes you have this inexplicable bounce when a manager leaves a club and like they win their next game or something with a caretaker. It just happens. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, you know, it's a bounce factor to borrow another horse racing kind of parlance. They just do kind of they get know, a bit of a boost. A, a fresh voice for a couple sure. of days and people regroup. But Is Mickey Adams going it, to get the job? It doesn't last for so long. He's, he's, a, he's a candidate. He, he's, I think he's been sniffing around a couple of jobs since he left. They so. always go with managers from outside of Ireland. Now they normally someone else will come in. So yeah, I, to see who I'm going to I'm going to tip Sligo there as well. I didn't think they played that badly against us. Some nice players. Uh, first division: Cabo v Shells on Friday. Watford v Cove. Wexford v Longford. And UCD versus uh, the basket case that is Athlone Town. We've got a lot of goals, but lost to Longford during the EA Sports Cup during the week. Part five AOB. So we have um, just literally reading <laughs> that's, this. That's just Part just five <laughs> AOB. Oh yeah, let's give national tips. Uh, national, well, grand national tips. National We're both going for same horse with black line. Uh, black line is a fantastic yeah. chance. Yeah, black line, Boozer, Ninchy Core. Did you ever have a point there? I, I think I had a point with you and woke yeah. up the following morning having bought a horse. So that for is Christ the sake. that is I a. Actually, that My was, dear listener, I didn't Tiger know that was moments. coming. Yeah. Uh, we had Brian Kerr last week as well. Got to get to that demo. You listened in. You, you're becoming an avid fan of the show, probably because you're on it most of the time. <laughs> no, I listened to Brian last week. It's great. It was, was So it? refreshing, isn't he? And the passion he shows. Lucky enough, I managed to play in the underage setups when I went to the UEFA Championships under 17 with Brian. And was involved with him and Noel O'Reilly, and they were brilliant to work what with. What was Noel O'Reilly like? Uh, he, was, he was so special. You know, yeah. he was such a good coach. And it goes back to the, the, the moment or the, the, the atmosphere they used to build in the dressing room. Noel used to bring the guitar everywhere he went, and we'd do sing songs. And I remember Beautiful. once we were, we were away staying somewhere, I think, uh, against um, in that European Championships, we were staying in the same hotel as um, the other teams, and we were doing a, a, a sing song with the guitar one night down at the pool. And the players from Holland came over to us the next day and said something like, uh, Where do you learn to do that? And we're like, We don't learn, we just all. That's just the way we do. We get together and we do it. And they were like, do you not like practice that after training every week or something like that? They couldn't get over that. That was So Noel was really, really special. Him and Brian were, were great. And then listen to the passion of, of, of Brian last week. Um, that's just refreshing, isn't it? It's a pity he's not involved in some way, shape or form in the league. He'd certainly like to be involved again down this we season. See, we, I think we received quite a lot of tweets. Oh, yeah. The most feedback we've ever received. And a, a lot of Brian Kerr love. Um, and a, along the lines of Damo's point there, um, Again, and we, we talked about earlier with the lads, when you have people with passion who care, surely they should be part of the discussion. Uh, Stephen O'Donnell, I thought, was extremely passionate. Great, great uh, input he had on the show, and what a baller he is as well. I get a lot of slagging because I'm a big CV fan. but You've only mentioned him in uh, six like, out of seven shows. I, I, so I'll far. always say what he did last season, he gave them players confidence that they could get on the ball because he was available to be on the ball, and uh, what a player. 
SoundCloud and iTunes is where you'll find us at LY Weekly on Twitter. And do keep your tweets coming in. Uh, sorry we didn't get to some of them this week. We just had a bit of a packed show. But uh, next week we'll be back and we'll uh, obviously encourage a lot of your questions then. And I hope you enjoyed and we shall uh, talk to you again next week. <laughs> <laughs>